Well, this morning is kind of a different kind of message this morning because uh, in your bulletin you'll see it says uh, memory versus review. And we've been saying in the, in the announcements last week and this week that we're going to be reviewing the eight memory verses we have gone over over the last eight weeks. And not to put anybody on the spot, but we just wanted to kind of have a chance for you guys to share with each other things that you've been learning as we've been memorizing and studying these scriptures each week. And so I want you just to kind of think about if there's a verse uh, over these eight verses that you have really, it's really meant something to you and it's really, there's some truth in it that it's really blessed you and really helped you uh, either now or for the future. Uh, Maybe also just, you know, we've had these little uh, memory verse guides uh, different things we can do in those each week, uh, whether it's um, filling in the blank or singing the song or um, illustrating it, drawing it somehow, different things that you've been practicing and maybe you have some of your own things that weren't on this sheets or on the sheets. So I just wanted to give, you, give everyone a chance this morning to kind of say a few things that they wanted to. I mean, not everybody's probably going to have a chance, but um, I guess we'll see. Um, it's depending on what time you want to go to lunch, I guess. <laughs> so well, I, want, I want you to have the opportunity to, to, to um, be able to respond and let everybody else know things about that. So it's kind of the idea of uh, if you want to recite it or even sing it. I know, I know someone told me they, they uh, made up a, their own song. Uh, or describe, describe something how it blessed you or something that's going to help you. And so the, the first one that we went through. I know this was already Valentine's Day, so it was a while ago, almost two months ago, but it was from Psalm 119, and it was 9 through 11. So we have a couple microphones, so if anybody just wants to say it, uh, Mark or myself will help you with this, and this one's number two, and I think he has three. Uh, So anyway, if anybody wants to say it, I know it's right there in front of you, but (laughs) would anybody like to recite this from memory? All right. Okay. I won't look. I'll try not to look here. (laughs) Okay. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek... No. Yes. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Um, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119, 9 through 11. Good job. All right. Would anybody, anyone like to say something that blessed them about the, learning this verse or something that they learned or something that is good for them to know in the future or a way that you memorize it or something? So just raise your hand and we'll... I'm going to... No, I'm not going to hand it to anybody, so... All right, well, this one might be an easy one because I actually spent a whole sermon uh, preaching it. Uh, and this one, we had a, I had a main idea on, on Valentine's Day about storing up God's Word in our heart uh, and how that's essential in, in every life of every believer. It's, it's important that we are storing up, that we are treasuring God's Word in our hearts. And so in that sermon... I kind of went through three different ways of saying that God's Word in our heart is so that it helps us grow 
I'm sorry, it helps us guard me or guard us in the way that we live. And so that from that first part, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. So it helps us and guards us in the way that we live. And then also it helps us grow in our desire to seek after the Lord. So guarding us in the way we live and growing us in, the, in our desire to seek after Him. And then finally to guide us away from sin. And so that, that we store up God's Word in our hearts so that we might not sin against you. So it, it actually guards and protects us in that way and it guides us. So that's kind of the, the first one. Anybody else want to say anything about something about that Scripture? All right, this is a participation day if you haven't noticed. So there's a little cheat sheet in front of you. If there's a verse that you're not so sure about, you can kind of work on memorizing it really quick if you want to, if you want to get ahead. So we'll just go to the next one. So the next one is, uh, that we did in February 21 was a really short one. Is James 1.22. So does anyone want to say it without looking? James 1.22. This is the easy one. All right. This I, is I the shortest out easy. one. This is the shortest one. The right? shortest one. <laughs> the shortest one. I know it was a while ago. Okay, Angie. Do not merely listen to your word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. All right. Good job. James 1.22. Good. All right. Um, does anybody want to say something about this verse that they helped a truth in their life or something they want to that helped bless them in a way or I think for me when we talked about that verse it says that sometimes we can deceive ourselves by what we listen to, who we're listening to, and why we're listening to them. Um, even the Word of God, if we go to it with our own attitudes and our own beliefs, sometimes we can deceive ourselves. Hmm. And that includes people that are in the church, unfortunately. But if we read the Word and then put it into practice, it's probably going to come home as real truth and something that we can uh, use throughout our life. So putting something into practice helps us to um, embed that into our belief system. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I've been thinking about this verse too, especially the last part where it says, do what it says. And a lot of the eight verses that you gave us, there's a lot of things to do in those <laughs> verses, right? If you've read those, uh, even the last verse we just went through, it says, store up your word in your heart. So if we're truly honest with ourselves, we need to do what it says. And there's lots of things in these eight verses that we need to do. Good. And I just wanted to also note that, that, that we, we showed that video that in the Shema, and it was talking about this idea of, of listening and followed with action or obedience is kind of in the Hebrew at least, and I know this was in the Greek because it's in the New Testament, but in the Hebrew, in the, in the Old Testament, it was if you listen, then you are also 
expected to obey. And so James is like kind of putting these together. It's like, don't just listen and do nothing about it. Listen to what God's saying and then obey what he says. I mean, that's what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. You know, lots of times he said that, but also he said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. It's not just that, oh, we can say we love Jesus and then live however we want. No, obedience and trusting God work together. So, all right, well, thanks for sharing. We're going to go on to the next one. The next one was what's, what's called the Shema in Hebrew. Uh, in Deuteronomy 4, and it, really the Shema is 4 through 9, but we just went with 4 through 7. Just made it a little easier to memorize. I know that this, this was probably our longest verse. Uh, but does anybody want to try to say this one from Deuteronomy? I know you've got to be really brave to do the long one. <laughs> All right, well, this one, this one is in, kind of in a few different pieces here. And we hear this one a lot in the New Testament, or the first part of this, where, where it is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and then you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And Jesus also said, with all your mind also, just to kind of make sure we got the, every piece of that. And it says, these commands, this is Moses saying, these commands I give you today will be upon your heart. So that's storing them in our hearts and putting them in our hearts and then impress them on your children and talk about them in all, all the time. So it's, he says, talk about them when you sit at home and when you lie down or when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. And so and, and these, Moses is really telling the people of Israel right before they're going in, right, right before going into the promised land, remember, these commands to love God with everything. Love God. He is the one God. Don't turn to idols like all the other people in the land that currently do. Keep your eyes on God alone. With your everything, love Him. And then teach them to the next generations. That means not just your own kids. That means if you're a grandparent, teach them to your grandparents, to your grandkids. Teach them wherever you can. Impress them on your children. And so then it's talking about these four times. And, and when we think about these four times, talking about them when we sit at home and when we walk along the road, when do we sit at home as a family? Usually around a meal or, or, or in the, around the couches. We're, we're, we're sitting in times that we can talk together. And so Moses is saying, talk about them at home. Don't just wait till. They're 17 and they're moving, or 18 and they're moving out of the house to talk about it. But talk about them regularly, not just a couple times. Talk about loving God with everything and, and, and keeping His commands in us, in our hearts. And when, we, when did we walk along the road? Well, when did they walk along the road? When they were traveling. How many times do you walk along the road with your kids? Not, I mean, are you walking your kids to school? Maybe if you live on Green Street or in Gibson, really close. But you're probably not walking your kids to school or walking a lot along the road. On a daily commute, a lot of times we're driving our kids or we're going places with them. So Moses is saying, talk about them in the, when you have chances, when you're, when you're with your kids. When you lie down and when you get up. So when you're, when you're tucking them in at night, I love you. Jesus loves you. We're love, and, like, and just t- bring up things. God, we love God with all our heart. And what, what does that mean? 
And how do, we, how do we work in this life? How do we trust God through hard things? And when we get up, I love you. Jesus loves you. And, and really be talking about Jesus from the beginning of the day to the end of the day. And that's, as, as Christians, that's what we, we do. Impress them to our next generations. And if you're a parent or a grandparent, you have that opportunity to bless your next generations. Or maybe you're a parent, or maybe you're, you're not a parent or a grandparent, but you have a chance to, to, to speak into the into lives of kids in your neighborhood or in, in the church. So do that. All right, uh, and there's also a video. This is the only video I was going to show, but hopefully it works today. Uh, and it's, it's talking about this part, how Moses was having the people say this prayer every morning and every night, but then also just looking at this part, what it means in Hebrew, what the word love means. So we'll enjoy this for just for three minutes. For thousands of years, every morning and evening, Jewish people have prayed these well-known words as a way of expressing their devotion to God. They're called the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And as for you, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. We're going to look at the third key word in this prayer, how Israel is called to love their God. But what does that mean? Love is a very common word in most languages, as it is in ancient Hebrew. It's pronounced ahava. It most basically refers to the kind of affection or care that one person shows another. It sometimes describes physical affection, like the king of Persia's love for Queen Esther. But there are other Hebrew words that more specifically refer to physical desire or sex. Ahava is more broad. So Abraham had Ahava for his son Isaac, that's parental love. Jonathan showed Ahava for his friend David, that would be brotherly love. In fact, a whole group of people can have Ahava for their leader, like when the Israelites showed love for their king David. Ahava can even describe loyalty between political allies, like Hiram, the king of Tyre, loved David. They had good relations, and so Hiram wanted to help David's son Solomon build the temple. These are all different kinds of affection described with the one word, ahava. Now, all of this is helpful for understanding God's ahava in the Old Testament. So in Deuteronomy, Moses told the Israelites, God showed affection for you. He chose you because of his ahava for you. So God doesn't love because the Israelites earned it or deserve it. It simply originates from God's own character. He loves because he loves. This is why Jeremiah can say that God's love is everlasting. It has no end because it has no beginning. God's love just is an eternal fact of the universe. And God's love is not a duty. It's a genuine feeling, an affection that God experiences. This is why the prophet Hosea compares God's love for his people to a husband's ahava for his wife or to a parent showing ahava for their child. It's one of the strongest things that God feels. But that doesn't mean that God's love is just a feeling. God's love is also in action. It's something God chooses to do. Like when Moses says, because of God's ahava for your ancestors, he brought you out of Egypt with great power. God's love isn't just a sentiment, it is something God does. And so, in the Shema, Israel is called to respond to God's ahava by showing ahava in return. And just like God's love, human love is to show itself through actions. Like in Deuteronomy 10, 
What does the Lord your God ask of you except to fear the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to love him and serve him and to keep his commands? All of these actions are centered around love. If I'm not doing them, I don't actually love God. I just say I do. Which leads to one last thing. In the Old Testament, I show my love for God by how I treat the people around me. In Deuteronomy, we read that God defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow, and he shows ahava for the immigrants among you, giving them food and clothing. And so you also show ahava for the immigrant. So the people are to imitate God's ahava by showing ahava for others. This is the idea underneath the famous line, you shall ahava your neighbor as yourself. And so at the end of the day, all of this is rooted in God's own eternal ahava. Like we read in the New Testament letter of 1 John, we love because God first loved us. And that's the Hebrew word ahava. All right, you get all that? All right, so what is the Hebrew word for love? Oh, you guys are good at Hebrew. Good job. <laughs> All right, so that, hopefully that helps you kind of see a little bit more of what that background is. There's a lot more of those videos. Uh, th- those are by the, a group called The Bible Project, and those are really good videos. They have lots of different content. They have those on Right Now Media, and they have those, uh, a lot of them on YouTube also. So check it out, uh, uh, The Bible Project. But anyways, I, I think we've probably covered that verse enough. But hopefully that there's some things in there that help you understand more about God's love and, and how that is in Hebrew and ahava with everything. All right, well, let's move on to the next verse. It was Hebrews 4.12. Would anybody like to recite Hebrews 4.12? Just, there we go. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joint and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And that, uh, I memorized this one back when, when, when it was the verse for the week, and I thought I would come up and do it, and, uh, but they didn't call anyone that time. So, <laughs> so, so uh, my plan was different than God's plan, I guess. Thanks, Isaac. All right, so that's, that's the, what the Word of God is, living and active, and there's a whole bunch of things in there. What did that mean to you guys as you, as you looked through this verse a few weeks ago? What, what's something that... Um, as I looked at it was um, some, some description of the words here of two or... or, or Sharp, sharper than the edge of the sword, meaning um, God's word is ten times powerful than any human's words in the world, in the world of life. And as I look at it is God is wherever we are, we have his word to protect us whatever phase or meaning of life we are in that whatever struggle and every pain we go through, his soul and his sword will be always with us. Cool. Thanks, Eli. Uh, To me, I think it's a self-check. When I think I'm doing well, I will open the word and realize that there's a lot 
that God exposes, and not, not to embarrass us, but to bring us out of where we are. And so that's why we, it's important to read the Word of God. If we think we're doing well, <laughs> open the Word of God. <laughs> that will give you a good self-check. Thanks. Yeah, it's easy to, uh, uh, or it can be easy to kind of fake it, I guess, until you open up. I mean, I guess it, it all depends on where you're coming from, too, but kind of the same way, like, kids have a way of, like, your kids have a way of sniffing out if you're, you know, living by what you say or not. Or, yeah, kids have a way of telling if you're fake or not with them, and kind of the same thing. It's, mm-hmm. Once you open up the Word of God, it's, yeah. It reveals, yeah. Thanks. Well, this one, somebody asked me, like, what does it mean to divide between soul and spirit and joints and marrow and, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart? And, and really, that's a tough one. What, is it, what does that mean? Well, I don't know. I'm not God. I don't know what it means. That I, I mean, it's, it's God that's dividing. It's God that's, that's, that's very intentional, very careful. I mean, you ask a surgeon if you're going to divide and you're going to cut. They're not just like, okay, well, here, I'm just going to start cutting. No, they, they are very intentional, very careful, and they use a very sharp object to be very precise. And I think that's kind of this idea that God is dividing what, is, what needs to be divided, and, and He's going to get everywhere He needs to get to do whatever He needs to do. But we need to be surrendering to Him. Thanks for, for sharing on that one. All right, we'll move on to verse 5. And this one was in Romans 12, uh, 9 and 10. Would anybody like to recite that one? All right, speak now or forever hold your peace. All right, so this one says, let love be genuine. So that's that idea of let our love be real, not fake. But, you know, a lot of people can see the fakeness in our life, uh, especially the younger generations. They want to really see authentic love, and they want to see that we really care. And then it says, abhor or really hate what is evil. So we're, we're and, then it, and then right with that, up to, to hold fast to what is good. So this idea of, when there's good things, we hold on to it. When there, and who is good? Who made all things good? It's God. So hold on to the things of God. The things that God said is good, we hold fast to those things and to God. And then love one another with brotherly affection. So love everybody. There's, there's no love these people more than these people. Love everyone. In fact, it says, then outdo one another in showing honor. So if, you, if you're a competitive person, then compete in a way that you can show each other, hey, I'm showing, I mean, it's kind of almost a silly way, but almost compete to see who shows each other more honor and how we respect each other. And, and this is this idea of, of inside the church, but also blessing people that are not in the church and showing them, wow, Christians they're honoring me just for who I am because I'm made in God's image. God cares about me in whatever situation I, I'm in and whatever I've done. 
people still love and respect me. And that's kind of our way of being an example and light for, for Jesus. All right, anybody else have something they wanted to share from this verse, passage? And it's okay if somebody wants to sing it, too. I mean, that's, that's okay. And no one's done it yet, but... All right, well, let's move on to the next one, then. It's Colossians 3, 1 through 3, and this, would anybody like to, to recite it from memory? If then you have been raised with Christ, seek things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right, sits at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, but not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Colossians 3, 1 to 3. Good job. Do you want to say anything about it? You don't have to. No, I, <laughs> I, I just think sometimes um, we as humans can get lost on the busyness and the day-to-day things of, of earth uh, that we have going on and, and forget that really what we're here for is to seek what God wants us to do, not what our own desires want to do. And... Um, and I think that just reminded me of that. Thanks, Greg. Yeah, we can get really busy, really caught up into all the things we need to do. We can, yeah, we have, a jo- we have jobs and we have work and uh, school and we have all kinds of things that when we get home we have to do. And we can get really caught up in the day-to-day. But, and that's, that's okay to like, do those things, but... Our minds are to be on the eternal things of God because we are in Christ Jesus. It says we are hidden. Our life is hidden with Christ in God. And so let's set our minds on the things that are of God, the eternal things. The eternal things are God and people, right? Because people are eternal. They're either going to be in eternity with God or without God. And so let's, let's seek our minds, set our minds on the eternal things, God and His kingdom and what His mission is, reaching people. Good. Anybody else on that one? Yeah, when you're talking about your life is hidden with Christ, when something's hidden, you can't see it. So Christ could be in, in us, and He is living within us, but if we don't show that and make it unhidden to others, then, you know, Christ wants to show others through us what, what he is. Good. Well, let's move on to the next one. This is Philippians 2, 9 through 11, which we sang just a few minutes ago with the kids and did some hand motions. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, would anybody, since it's so fresh in our minds. Okay, Beth. This is, those three verses are part of a scripture that I committed to memory a number of years ago. And um, Mark and I, uh, when our kids were younger, were part of the Bible memory program here at East Bend, where kids would learn 
um, I don't even remember how many they learned, but then they um, would get a discount to go to Bible memory camp. And one thing we did with our kids that I still do is write verses on index cards and put them on the table, just wherever, you know, I see them. And that makes it a lot easier to, mm-hmm. to keep it there. And our kids still have their little file card boxes <laughs> with all their cards they've memorized. Cool. Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. And I miss this word, I always forget. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven. Every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Nice. Thanks, Beth. I love that, the, the idea of putting, every, putting these cards, putting verses on cards and, and having a place for them. I mean, that, that works for some people, and maybe it works for others to, to have something on their phone or their computer or written out or just highlighted in your Bible. Whatever works for you, that's what we want you to do. The younger, the younger you are when you learn it, it sticks with you. So that's why it's really important to teach these to the next generations. Is because you can, many of you, and myself included, know verses right now without even really having to look through them because we learned them when we were young. Maybe not lots of verses, but some. Uh, and I love that, that Beth went ahead and did 5 through 11 because that's a chunk that's it's called the Christ hymn. It was one of the, the hymns that the early church sang. And so that's why Paul included it in this way. But we just did the, the starting in 9. But it's really talking about how Jesus humbled himself to, to, even, to, to be a servant, a lowly servant, and even had de- went to death on a cross. And that's what we celebrate, Good Friday and then Easter that he rose. And so then it, this part then is therefore. Anytime you see therefore, it's, it's, there's something that you should make sure you get before that. That there's, there's a reason for the therefore. Because here Paul's saying, therefore, all these things about Jesus, God exalted Jesus to the highest place and gave him the name. Of, and we know the rest of it. That every knee will bow on heaven and earth and under the earth. And that's what we can be excited about. That someday, even the people that are completely against Jesus now, will all bow their knee and worship Jesus. All right, did anybody else want to share on that one? All right, it gets us right up to Easter week. And last week, uh, we looked at the verse from Luke 24, and it's the verse that the angels told the women when they were at the tomb. So does anybody want to recite the one from this week? Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He, is, he has risen. Remember 
how he told you while he was still with with you in Galilee. So the man, the son of man, the son of man must be delivered over to the heads of sinners before be crucified and on that third day be risen again. Um, this one really spoke to me because, um, like, you got to understand, this man, we all know Jesus. You know, God was in heaven. Me and my parents talked about this, like, on the table one time, you know. We were talking on it, and we were understanding, like, people don't like dying, you know. People hate dying. And the one thing what we talked about was one of the passages I liked so much that God shall love the world, that he gave his only son and died on the cross for our sin, you know, whoever believes in him and everything like this. Um, that really spoke to me because this passage leads to that, that segment of it, and that segment of it is God, Jesus, God really, God really did not, put, did not want to put his son on the cross, but he had to because for us. And the disciples along the way realized that they made a mistake and they cannot take it back as he told them. All right. Thanks, Eli. Did somebody else want to? Oh, no. All right. Well, anybody else want to say something about this verse? I was just thinking recently about this verse. I know this is very um, story-bound, like this actually happened. These are things that are said. But that phrase, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. And that recently has spoken to me because I just think I put myself in that place. Now, I wasn't there when Jesus, his physical body was raised, but he is living. And I just asked myself, where am I looking for Jesus? Am I looking for him among dead things, things that don't matter, things that are not of him? Or am I back where it says in Colossians, setting my mind on things that are above, things that are not on earth? My life is hidden in, in Jesus. He's among the living. He's, he's risen. He's not among the dead. And, um, and he gives life to me, and that's where I can look for him. Is He, he is um, like... We just said he's at the right hand of, um, he's in heaven. He's at the highest place that God gave him, and that's where we can, we can seek him and find him there. Thank you. Maybe she should preach some, some Sunday. <laughs> All right, well, that brings us to the end of the, the eight verses we learned. Um, if you haven't learned these, Put, keep these verses in your, in your Bible or on your fridge or somewhere. Keep reviewing them. And, and there's something t- on the back of the, the worksheets I put on there, and maybe we didn't notice it as much, but I put on there like 12 times that you can check off that you recited it. And the, the reason I did that is because after, and I forget where the research I learned this, but after about three months of saying, of reciting the same thing once a week, you are more likely to, memor- to have it memorized for years and years, maybe even the rest of your life, like what Beth was saying earlier. When, when you memorize it, not just one time in a week, or, okay, I got it memorized, I, can, I know it for the test, or I know it for the whatever, 
But when you spend time, oh, let's, let's review the next three verses. Okay, let's review the, la- or the last several verses. It helps, you, it helps your brain remember it and actually remember it most likely for life. And, and, and that's kind of the idea. Storing up God's Word in our heart, it, it helps us in the times that we need help. It, Jesus gives us His Holy Spirit to guide us. But it, when we have His Word in us, He brings it to our mind in times that we need it. And so I want to encourage you just to keep memorizing Scripture, keep looking at these and others, but keeping it in our hearts. And I'm, I'm excited for, uh, the, for what we are going to see as we keep learning and keep growing closer to Jesus and, and keeping His Word in our hearts. Uh, we are going to be starting next week a new series uh, called Commissioned, and we're going to be looking at what it means after we just went through the book of Mark, and what it means then when Jesus has, uh, was ascending and He left for His disciples and then for us, as greater as, as disciples now, what is our mission? What are we supposed to do? And so we're going to be looking at that over the next several weeks. I'm excited that one of my friends from seminary is going to be joining us next week. His name is Micah Ward. He and his wife, Melissa, and they have a daughter, Joanna, that are going to be here next Sunday, and he's going to be bringing us the word uh, from Colossians 1 about what it means to be in co-mission with God. And that God isn't just commissioning us to go do things by ourselves. And so we're going to be looking at that. Uh, Our Sunday school hour next week will be joint all together so we can hear how Micah and Melissa are are getting ready and praying and raising support for going over to be missionaries in the country of Indonesia. And so I invite you to come for our Sunday school hour here in the sanctuary and be uh, excited to hear about their ministry through the uh, organization World Venture. So that's a little bit for next week and uh, as we move forward from there. So let, let me pray, and then we'll have a couple more songs. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that we have, have this opportunity to store up your word in our hearts. And God, I just thank you for this morning and how we could encourage each other with your word. And God, I just pray that we would take the time to seek you, and take the time to seek your word and seek the truth of your word, and that we could understand more and more that you are a God that loves and that you are a God that saves and that God that we can be in relationship with you and not needing to earn our salvation but to accept the free gift that you've given us and God I just ask that we would just keep remembering the truth that you're you're wanting us to to learn and that we would grow closer and closer to you we just pray all these things in Jesus name Amen.